0: A reading from the book of 1 Peter. The Apostle Peter writes, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his great mercy he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who are being protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, even if now for a little while you have had to suffer various trials, so that the genuineness of your faith, being more precious than gold that, though perishable, is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Although you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with an indescribable and glorious joy. For you are receiving the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Discipline yourselves. Discipline yourselves. Set all your hope on the grace that Jesus Christ will bring you when he is revealed. Like obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires that you formerly had in your ignorance. Instead, as he who called you is holy, be holy yourselves in all your conduct. For it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Word of God, word of life. Thanks Thanks be to to God.
1: Before I get started this morning, Teresa, thank you for being with us today. We love having you. Teresa Moore-Mitchell is a, well, you serve, you wear a lot of hats, including working, teaching at places like Catawba, Pfeiffer, Livingstone, uh, and many other things in your journey. Of course, a, uh, a celebrated vocalist. We're just always glad to have you, so thank you for being here. Next, we're looking forward to next week, by the way, when we're going to have a premiere of sorts of a new beautiful song by Michael Jonkus. Is that still correct that I'm looking forward to that? It's called Shelter Me. It's based on Psalm 23, uh, was written in light of this pandemic. Junkus is best known for his work on eagle's wings, and it really is a stunning piece. And Rosemary. Welcome back. It's good to see you. You always um, thrill us with your voice, but I think today you sound even more beautiful than ever before. So we're, we're just glad to welcome you back. Okay, let's get started. Um, for the next several, or for the next four weeks, Pastor Laura and I are going to dive into a very short letter of, of the New Testament called 1 Peter. Um, it's a great letter that's so perfectly written for what's going on now, so it's very meaningful for, for our journey. This morning, I'll be tackling the first chapter, especially the third verse. That's what um, Sidney just read for us today. Um, this verse in particular, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By His great mercy, He has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And then this powerful word, Therefore. Therefore, be holy as your Father in heaven is holy. Now, if you have your Bibles with you, that's awesome. This is a time to open up your Bible to that, to that letter, the first letter of, of Peter. But before we get started, I'm going to give you a little bit of, of homework. Sometime this week, I'd love for you to read this entire letter in one sitting from beginning to end. Don't take a break. It's easy to do. It's short. There are only five chapters. You can do it easily in 20 minutes or so. It will be a blessing to you. It will certainly help you as we continue to work through this letter over the next few weeks, but more importantly, it will just be a gift to you this week. And a reminder that the title of this sermon series is Cabin Fever, uh, Finding Ways to be Holy People. So let's pray. Lord God, may the words of my mouth and the inspiration of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our Redeemer. Amen. So, raise your hand if you have cabin fever. Everybody is raising their hand. That's terrific. Good. Thank you. I'm sure that's the case. (laughs) People are getting a little antsy these days. Cabin fever is real, no doubt, and when there's not an end in sight, you start to get a little anxious. You do things that might not normally do, like the woman who said, um, "I'm about a week away from doing something tragic to my hair," <laughs> or the, the great video of uh, uh, the video clip of a quarantine couple. The husband walks into the bathroom to see his wife in nice clothes. She's putting on makeup. She's fixing her hair. What are you doing? He asks. Oh, the mailman. He's going to be here any minute. <laughs> Or the mom who's suddenly homeschooling her kids, but she just has to get away. She's not used to this, so she spent her afternoon taking off all the seeds from a strawberry with nothing but a pair of tweezers. That's when you know coronavirus boredom has set in, right? Cabin fever. This isn't certainly the first time that we've ever been bored in our lives or had to deal with cabin fever, On a far more serious note, many of you remember Senator John McCain, who often spoke of a time in his journey, in his life, when he and his colleagues had to figure out how how to pass time. McCain famously, of course, ran for president in 2012, but that was 40 years after he had been a prisoner of war in Vietnam for five and a half years at the infamous Hanoi Hilton, locked in a small cell, sometimes with others, sometimes not. They were beaten, often wounds left uncared for. but the hardest challenge he said, was passing time in a small cell when days became just brutally long. He told the story of a fellow prisoner, a man named Mike Christian. Um, he was a young soldier from Alabama who never wore bare shoes until he was 13 years old. He enlisted in the Navy at the age of seventeen. One day, Mike got a package of scarves and T-shirts and it gave him an idea. Uh, this is how John McCain described it. He said this, Over a period of a couple of months, he created out of those scarves an American flag, and he sewed it on the inside of his shirt. Every afternoon, before we had a bowl of soup, we would hang Mike's shirt on the wall of the cell and say the Pledge of Allegiance. For us, at least, it was the most important moment of the day. One day, the captors searched our cell and discovered Mike's shirt with a flag sewn inside. They quickly removed it. that evening they returned. They opened the door of his cell and severely beat Mike Christian for the next couple of hours. Then they opened the door of the cell and threw him back in. We cleaned him up as best as we could, but I had never seen a man look so beaten. After the excitement died down, I looked in the corner of the room, and sitting there beneath a dim light bulb with a piece of red cloth, another shirt, and his bamboo needle was my friend Mike He was sitting there with his eyes almost shut from the beating he had received, making another American flag." It's interesting, 1 Peter, this letter written 2,000 years ago, is written to a group of Christians who themselves were struggling, many of whom were suffering, some had been severely persecuted. Others were new Christians, and they were just trying to figure out what it looked like to be a Christian, how to act as a Christian during a time of such uncertainty. The first verse of this this letter gives us a little bit of context. It reads like this, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to the exiles of the Diaspora in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, Um, which means this, Peter… Or whomever is the author, we don't really know, it could be a a disciple of Peter, it doesn't necessarily matter, but uh, Peter is writing from Rome to to a large group of Christians in Asia Minor, not to a particular church, but to a rather large group of folks in a rather large geographic area, modern-day Turkey, a region that was being horribly persecuted by the Roman emperor. Now, the author of the letter is doing his very best to give them hope and encouragement during this time of great loneliness and of suffering. And and he does so by reminding them of a core truth, something he hopes that they will never ever forget. And this is what he says in verse 3, "'Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By His great mercy, He has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, that is undefiled and unfading.'" Beautiful. I love those words. In particular, "'A living hope.'" here's what he means. Because of God's great mercy, Jesus was raised from the dead, which He could only do by conquering death and the grave. That's what Easter is all about, what we've been celebrating throughout these 50 days. Why? Well, not for God's sake, but for our sake we who were living in darkness, so that we might see a new light, so that we might see a, a brand new day. That's what God's great act of mercy and love is, this most amazing act of all, um, conquering the grave. And it's done entirely with us in mind, which is amazing. I know this is basic stuff, but it's, it's truly amazing. We didn't deserve it. We didn't earn it, of course. It's pure gift. When we were hopeless, Jesus became our hope. He became our joy, going to death in the grave in order to accomplish it. But then he writes this, and this is what's fascinating to me. Now, as a result, in other words, he has given us new birth uh, to become a living hope cause of the death and resurrection of Christ in other words God wants us God needs us to be a living note that word living a living hope in the here and the now for the sake of all of those around us why so that that hope might live in the times uh, uh, live on in times of trial, so that that hope might be expended extended to our neighbor who is in need so that that hope might be proclaimed to those who are feeling hopeless so that it might be extended in the words that we say and the actions we employ, so that those who are living in darkness, those who are living in loneliness and fear might see a brand new light. Look, Easter is all about an empty tomb, no doubt, but it's also about God transforming us to be a living hope for the sake of the world. Don't you think this world needs some living hope? Absolutely but how? I mean, what does that look like, especially in in this age of quarantine? Dr. Vivek Murthy is a former Surgeon General who was interviewed on the PBS NewsHour last week. He's recently published a book um, called Together, The Power of Human Connection in a Sometimes Lonely World. He talks about the importance of human connection and the hidden impact of loneliness on our on our, on our health. In fact, he makes a very strong case that loneliness for loneliness is a public health concern in the ways that affect so many different parts of our lives, um, not only our health, but also how our children experience school, how we perform in the workplace, even polarization in our society. But at the center of our loneliness is our innate desire to connect, to form lasting bonds with, with others, to help one another, to share in life's experiences. But how do you do that in a time of quarantine? How do you do that when you're literally alone, as many of you are even right now? He lifts up four key strategies that will help us weather this crisis. This is what he says. Number one, these aren't profound, by the way, but just helpful reminders for us. Spend time each day with those you love, whether virtually or in person. Devote at least 15 minutes each day to connect with those you care most about. Number two, focus. Focus on each other. Forget about multitasking and give the other person the gift of your full attention. Three, embrace solitude. The first step toward building a stronger connection with others is to build a stronger connection with yourself. So, spend time in meditation, in prayer, in art, in music. Spend time outdoors, which is easy to do these days in this amazing spring, right? And four, help and be helped. He writes that service is a form of human connection that reminds us of our value and of our purpose in life. So, check on a neighbor, seek advice, send cards to those graduating from high school or college, like Sydney, who read today, who's graduating from Salisbury High School. Uh, surprise someone with an anonymous picture or a poem. You, you get it, right? In other words, be a living hope for the sake of the world, for the sake of those around you. Be holy people. Writes as your Father in Heaven is holy. Charlotte Elliot lived in South London in the early 1800s. She was a famous poet early in her life, even by the age of 13, becoming rather famous throughout England. But at age 32, she suffered a severe mental and physical disease that kept her confined to her upstairs bedroom, sometimes unable to even lift a pen. She was quarantined at first for weeks, then it became months, and then eventually for the rest of her life. As a result, and not surprisingly, she became severely depressed, looking down from her window as the world literally passed her by, kids playing in the streets, neighbors talking to one another, a father playing catch with his son in the yard. She could do none of that, which eventually caused her depression to turn to anger a friend, the Reverend César Malan, visited her one day. Now, he knew of her incredible talents and encouraged her to replace her rage and her inner conflict with peace, returning to a, a simple faith in God. Now, there was nothing profound about that comment or about that conversation, but Charlotte said it literally changed her life. and From that day on, She picked up her pen again, which she had not done in ages, and she began writing. It was not easy for her to do, but she began very deliberately writing again. She turned her literary talents to writing hymns of hope and of courage. She wrote 150 hymns from that upstairs bedroom, including the most famous of all, Just As I Am. Those words became her daily prayer and could easily be our daily prayer, Just As I Am, she wrote without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come, I come, just as I am, though tossed about, with many a conflict, with many a doubt, fighting and fears they are within and without, but O Lamb of God, I come, I come. These are not easy days, are they? But as Christ has been our hope, may we dare to be a living hope for the sake of the world, for the sake of those around us, fighting those fears that are within and fighting those fears that are without. But saying, Nevertheless, O Lamb of God, I come. I come. Friends, be of good courage today, tomorrow, and always. Amen.